0: This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Let's close our eyes and open in prayer. Father God, we we love you so, so much, Lord. We we appreciate you, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that we have the freedom of being able to come together and, and just spend time in your presence and time in your Word and time in just receiving your outpouring, your revival in our hearts, Lord God. My God, I give myself completely to You because I know I'm nothing without You. I can do nothing without You, but I thank You that Your Word says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask You to speak Your words of wisdom, Your Word of God through my mouth. And minister life, Lord God, to each one of us, Lord God, that You... Put your seed deep in our hearts that it would grow and bear much fruit in our lives. Now I ask this in the mighty name of Jesus, and thank you in advance for all that is accomplished tonight in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Well, family, I'm so excited that next week mom and dad are back in the house. <laughs> Isn't that just great? And I just want to say a very big thank you to them for this opportunity of being able to, to minister tonight. And this is the end of our our second coming series. And for me, it's just been such a blessing. It just flowed for me so beautifully from the All In series. And in natural fact, even with what Apostle C has been sharing with us on a Tuesday night has been all so significant, I believe. And, you know, it's just something that for me has been such a, a revelation. Maybe that's not the right word, but we are better together. You know, that it's really with all the stuff that's going on, this is a time that we really should be building great Christian relationships, family. This is not the time, and I know I'm preaching to the choir because you guys are here, but this is really not the time that we should forsake the gathering together on the weekend services or in, in our, our small groups. We really are better together. And we've seen so many of the signs, I mean, have been explained to us so beautifully by Pastor Johnny, by Pastor Andre, and even Apostle Theo on a Tuesday night, all these things that we need to look for. And some of them sound pretty scary, and I get that, that people, when they hear Second Coming, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm not sure want to hear about that. But you know what, family? There's good news. I mean, I said before, we were born for this moment. We are here to shine. There's going to be a great outpouring, and you and I are going to be part of that, a great revival. And as I said before, we've seen sparks of it here and there, but it's even much better to come, just a trickle of what is to come. And so the title of my message tonight is Ready for Revival, and I'd like you to turn in your bowels or on your abs to um, Psalm 85, and while you're doing that, just to give you a little bit of background about this psalm. It's actually, what had happened is that the, the children of Israel had been in exile, and now they're coming back into Jerusalem again, and they're looking around their land, and, and it's not a good picture. I mean, it's just, you know, the, 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 the wall of the city is, in, is dilapidated, the temple is in disrepair, Zerubbabel is now going, he's wanting to, to um, uh, sort out the altar. I mean, it's just like, uh, Psalm 85 is actually born out of this cry from the children of Israel as they look around their land and they see this devastation and, and, and just droughts and famine. And, and this is the cry of their hearts as they look at this land and also aware of what's going on in the world, both physically as well as spiritually. And I really think that you and I, as we look at our land, as we look at the world, and what is happening around us at the moment, that this, can, this is our cry. And we must know that God is working, and maybe we don't even notice it. And that's really probably the, 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 the depth of my message today, is that are we recognizing when God actually is doing stuff? Or are we just carrying on and maybe even maybe quenching what He's trying to do in and through our lives? So I want to go have a look at Psalms 85, it's so encouraging. He says, what I life!" is that he, he kind of starts with telling God what he did before, right? He says, you, Lord, showed favor to your, your, your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered their sins. You set aside all your wrath and turned from your fierce anger. And then he says this. He says, restore us again. Like you've done it before, would you do it again? He says, restore us again. God, our Savior, put away your displeasure towards us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger through all generations? Will you not revive us again? That your people may rejoice in you. Just gotta love this prayer. I'm mean, just like, oh Lord, revive us again. Just pour your spirit out. I mean, you see, you know, that with the drought in the land, and you see the situation that we're in. But even as you have been faithful in the past, you will be faithful in the present, and you will be faithful in the future. So it says, revive us again, and that's the heart. Okay, I mean, that's, that's the plea, that's the prayer that we see right here. Lord, send revival. Send it again. You've done it once before. Just do it again. Would you just revive your people into our lives? Just get that revival into our cities, into our homes, into our marriages, into our families. Amen, family. This is what this prayer is all about. And so for many of us, and this is the question, you know, what exactly? Is our picture of revival, if this is something that we believe in God for, and we're praying for, and we can't wait that it's going to happen, what does that look like? You know, and maybe for us kind of old Pentecostals, it's kind of putting that tent out in the neighborhood, you know, and the happy clappies in town, and we're having revival. (laughs) I was like, yeah, I'm a happy clappy. (laughs) I really am. Or maybe, you know, we get Rodney Hyde Brown, and we have a week of revival. I want to take you to what it says in Webster's he says this about the act of being in revival. What does it mean to live in revival? And it says this, it says the act of being revived, it's moments of renewal and restoration. To revive means to bring back to life, to cause to flourish again. Now when you hear that, I mean, in in just this backdrop of Psalm 85, what the psalmist is actually saying is, he's saying, would you pour out your spirit? Would you bring life again? Would you help us to flourish again? Would you renew? Would you restore again? And that's really what this prayer is all about. It's an amazing definition of what revival is. You know, family, I really believe that we are in a unique season, Where God is pouring out spirit. Where, you know, maybe there's that thing that you're already doing, and suddenly you sort of find yourself doing it in a supernatural way. In other words, maybe you you just find yourself parenting in a supernatural way. Maybe you just see yourself approaching life in a supernatural way. Because when God sends His help, when He sends His presence, that He can do for us that. Which we cannot do for ourselves, and suddenly we find that we're walking in effortless success. See, I, I just think this when God pours out that supernatural flow of the Spirit, we're going to experience that freshness, that power. You know, there's that fountain maybe that's from deep within us that, you know, just that we would step out and be strong in the Lord, be bold and be courageous to break this mold. And just step out and to achieve those things that we've kind of dreamt of deep down inside and maybe just lost all hope of actually achieving. A couple of weeks ago, I had a situation where my mom was um, hospitalized. And she had been complaining actually for a little while that she was feeling weak. She's 93 years old. So we didn't pay too much attention to that. Sorry, Lord. Anyway, as it turned out, she said also that she had a pain in her chest. So that kind of got our attention. We got her into hospital, and she had a bit of pneumonia. And they also found out that she had an- anemia. So what they did is they actually topped her up, if I can use that term, with blood. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Within one day. I mean, she was strutting around that hospital like she was like a healthy 50-year-old. She was in the garden. She was chatting to everybody. At one point, she packed her cash and said, I'm going to walk home. And it was like, do to, to you understand? You actually live like 30 k's away from the, from the hospital. We, the area of the hospital is kind of where we grew up, so I think she got her time zones a bit lord. But that's how full she was. And I kind of looked at this, I thought, my goodness, this is a picture of revival, if ever I've seen anything. And it kind of just thought came to me that, you know, maybe as Christians that we should get a revelation, once again, of a top-up of the power, of the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ and what He's done for us, family, that we can once again live that life of abundance where we're happy and fulfilled and and just full of energy and meaningful and completing and doing all the things that He has called us to do. Each and every person just doing their part, that is also a picture of revival. Because the truth be told, He did for us That which we could not do for ourselves, family, we just have to walk in it. We really do. You know, just this picture kind of starts, you know, with Jesus. It's like in in, in John chapter 14, and I'm going to be paraphrasing, where he says, You know what, I'm going, but I'm going to prepare a place for you, but I'm coming back. And I love the way (laughs) Pastor Andre spoke about it. And he said, You know, you can imagine the disciples kind of standing there and saying, Okay, he said he's coming back. He said he's coming back, <laughs> kind of waiting. Okay, Lord, we're here. You can come back type of thing, you know. But really, family, it's, he also said, but I'm going to send you a comforter. I'm going to send you a helper. And this is what it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We're familiar with this, right? It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And here's the reason, that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So what that means is that we can meet those. We can actually meet with those, reach out to those right here in our community, go abroad, get the gospel out there, get this world the right way up so Jesus can come back again. Amen, family. But mostly, it's so that people can get to know Jesus. We said this is a love story. He did all of that because he is Completely in love with you. That's the truth of it. Now, in the next chapter of Acts, actually, it says, we see there the very first message that was taught, very first church services that were Christian service. And I just love that the preacher goes into the Old Testament, comes up with the scripture, and says, What you see is happening here. This is prophecy. This is actually happening right now, okay? So he takes the truth out of the Old Testament. Of course, it's the only Bible that they had. He brings it to the people, and the outcome of that message is that 3,000 people get born again. Wow, right? And we see this account of this Holy Spirit revival, which started then, but it continues right up until today. And of course, I'm talking about Peter, who probably realized that. So I want to walk a little bit of a journey of Peter from the time that he denied Jesus I mean we remember this, you know, for me the last time that, that he, he kind of denies Christ. In fact he bubbles, he curses, right? And and then just then he says, I never knew the man and the rooster crows. And at that moment Jesus looks up from across the courtyard and locks eyes with Peter. Oh my word, can you imagine what that felt like? I mean, family the Bible says that he was broken. I mean, he ran away weeping. You know the man was completely broken. I mean, you can imagine he was full of guilt and grief and shame, and just walked away. And actually, the next time that we see him in, in in the Bible is where he finds out that the tomb is empty, and then he runs to the tomb, looks inside, and the Bible says he didn't know what to make of that. What's amazing to me that in John chapter 20 you see this account of where Jesus, it says, appears to the disciples. And it's very silent about Peter. Nothing gets said about him, which is unusual, right? Not the Peter we know. He's always the first one out there. Am I right? In John 21, and I'm going to paraphrase all of this. I'm giving you references so you can go back and read it. But in John 21, what happens is Peter decides he's going to go back to fishing. We know about that, right? So he takes some of his disciples with him, and they're on the boat. And guess what? They catch nothing. Very similar to the occasion when Jesus called these disciples, isn't it? And so they see somebody out there on the shore making a bit of a brier, okay? And he and they and he calls out to them, and he says, You catching any fish? They say, No, catching no fish. He says, Cast your nets on the other side. Now, as Apostle here has told us so many times, any fisherman would say, Really? And that's gonna do what? <laughs> but what happened, we know. I mean, they had this super natural cache of fish just coming all over the place. Peter, of course, wakes up, man, this is Jesus. And, of course, he swims to the shore. And I really believe this is where, where Peter was embraced. And I'm going to just walk you through it very quickly. So they get more fish in. They have the fish by. They have breakfast. The Bible says after breakfast, Jesus goes to Peter. And he, he addresses him. And you know what he says? He says, Peter, do you love me? Ouch. Just think about that for a moment. And then he says it again. Peter, do you love me? Sam, we understand where Peter was when this question was asked him. And then he says it a third time. Peter, do you love me? Can you see why Peter was so perplexed? I mean, eventually he just says, Lord, you know everything. Am I right? But every time Jesus answers and he says, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Now the first calling, remember he said, I will make you fishers of men. Now he's saying, Peter, now you've been taught, be a fisher but make disciples. Took him back to his calling family, embraced him back into covenant again. Amen. Now for me, that's maybe just a, a kind of revival, maybe we go back to our first love, our first calling, and just do a little bit, bit of introspection, where are we on that? Just throwing it out there. Have a look at Acts chapter 2, verse 14. Okay, it says, okay, remember this is 50 days after the, um, the, 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 Jesus died, okay, it's the day of Pentecost, Jerusalem is full, and here it says, Peter stood up with the eleven. I just love that, because here we see Peter standing up, man. It doesn't sound like that Peter we just spoke about, right? It says, Peter stood up and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Now, we know the background here. Obviously, this was now just, they'd just been in the upper room. There was Holy Spirit chaos. I mean, the Holy Spirit had been poured out. I mean, there were people that were, were speaking in tongues, all these different languages. There were crowds of people from all over, and all have got an opinion of exactly what's going on there. You know, and some say they drank, drunk, and others can just hear the praises of God in their mother tongue. But there was Holy Ghost chaos there. Actually, family, if you think about it, People thought they were drunk. You know, sometimes we get this picture of they were all saying, no, there was Holy Ghost chaos. They were rolling on the ground laughing like my grandson does sometimes. (laughs) They were weeping. They were sitting maybe just, it was just chaotic. That was what was happening. And in the midst of all of that, Peter stands up, man, and he says, fellow Jews, And all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. So family, he takes them right back to to Scripture again, right? What exactly happened at that point in time? He says, this is in your Bible, This is what Joel spoke about. This is what you've been hearing in the synagogue. This is what you've been listening to since you were a child, what you've been teaching to your children. It is happening now. And, you know, I'm just fascinated still by this personal revival that we see in Peter. Remember, when we saw him, he was not standing up, family. He was not preaching his faith. He was not out there proclaiming Christ. He was not on the edge of what God was doing. no. This is a different Peter. He's had an experience. Last time we saw him, he was standing by the fire, denying Christ. Now he's standing filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. He's not standing by the fire. He's got the fire of God inside of him. And what is he doing? He's proclaiming the gospel. He's being a witness. So if God can bring revival to Peter, if God can bring restoration to Peter, if God can renew Peter, who denied Christ, how much more would he do it for us, irrespective of what it is that we've done, no matter what it is that we've been through, no matter what has happened in our lives, all of our ups and downs, God Almighty can send revival into our lives. We do not have to be We we never need to be defined by our worst day. We never need to be defined by our worst moments. We can be defined by the love and the mercy and the grace and the power of almighty God. You know what, if he did it for Peter, he can do it for any one of us. Let me go back to Acts. It says this, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And Peter says, what you see is happening here, And what you've seen happen was spoken by Joel all those years before, and it's actually happening now. And he says, in the last days, God says, I will pour my spirit out on people. I want you to remember that. He's going to pour it out on people. It's not something that's going to happen out there. It's on us. Your sons and daughters. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on your servants, both men and women, God says, I will pour my spirit out in those days and they will prophesy. And he talks about these times and all these things that we're really seeing happening in, in the world. He says, I will show you wonders in the heavens above and on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will turn into darkness, the moon into blood, before the coming and the great and glorious day of the Lord. Now, these things are going to happen, right? I mean, we know that it's going to happen. We've been, I mean, Apostle Theo has taught it so well to us already. But then he says, in the middle of all of these things happening, right? Even before the great and glorious day of the Lord, listen to this everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's his promise. And the reason they're going to get saved is because I want to pour my spirit out on all people, and they're going to witness, and they're going to be salt, and they're going to be light. Yes, give him glory. Just give him some glory. Come on. T- Praise God. We're going to be his hands, family. We're going to be his feet, and people are going to get saved because of the revival that's going to get poured out. Now, I love this. Scene. And Peter himself sums this up so beautifully in 2 Peter chapter 3 from verse 10. It says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Now, sadly, for a lot of people who are not prepared, it is going to come as a surprise, or let me maybe say a shock, but not for us, because we are not scared, we are prepared. Amen. It says, the heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. This is gonna happen whether we want to believe it or not, it is going to happen. But then he asks this question, and I think we're probably asking this question as well. He says, since everything is being destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? And here's the answer that he gives. And with this, he actually deals with this increase in wickedness that we're seeing in the earth today and the need for actually for witnessing. He says, you ought to live holy and godly lives. You see, many people will receive the gospel by the way we live more than what we say. So it says we're going to have to make, we've got to know, we've got to make a choice in the middle of this decaying culture that we see, where morals are slipping, we see it all the time. And you know what the worst part is? They're actually expecting the church to embrace it. We need to stand firm, family. And we need to love well at the same time. And That's going to be hard. This is not the time that the church can become <laughs> aggressive. This is where you've got to stand firm and love well at the same time. And you know what? Daniel did it. I mean, Daniel never compromised his spiritual life. He had influence in spite of that in Babylon where he was a captive. He had influence and he stood for what he believed in. Amen. And let me carry on. It says we ought to live holy and godly lives and we have to choose this and as you look forward to the day of God's and listen to this as we look forward to the day of God and speed it's coming I love that so a lot of it means that we actually have an effect on that and I've said that before I believe when we stand together as the body of Christ that God's going to look at the sun and say your bride is ready are we ready for revival family we've seen sparks of it and maybe we need to just embrace that and that we can actually become a part of that bride that actually brings Jesus home. And really, you know, if you think about these things, there's a lot of things that we can do. There's a lot of ways that we can ready ourselves. The first thing I want to talk about is that it is His promise. Number one, He's given us a promise. And I want to tell you this, family, that God is not a liar. He doesn't make promises that He's not going to keep. I mean, all of us have had promises made to us that people may have not have kept. Maybe we've made promises that we haven't been able to keep. But I can assure you this, there has not been one single promise that God has ever made that he has not kept 100%. You don't have to go and check on his commitment. He doesn't got to have a trail of broken promises behind him. He's going to keep it. You know what, if it doesn't exist, he'll make something. He'll create it. Now, one of the promises that we stand on in this church is that Jesus said he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So there's two things I want you to see here. Firstly, you need to know he's building you. He's building me. We are the church. And secondly, I see this church bursting at the seams, filled with people coming to receive Christ. Amen? Praise the Lord. The second thing is his power. He promised to to pour his power out. He said in the last days, that's what's going to happen because Jesus is coming back to a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. Now, for me, that's kind of speaking about holiness, where there's no compromise, where there's no doubt, where there's no unbelief, and that's what we can strive towards. And I want you to know that the church it's not going to get carried out in a stretcher. We're not going to be limping and hobbling out of this world, family. We're not going to roll out in two flat tires. I believe in God, and I believe what His Word says, what the Scripture says. We're going to go out in power. We're going to go out with visions and dreams, because we're going to go out prophesying the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, because we are the glorious church. We are victorious. And God's power is going to be poured out as never before. And I want you to know that it's happening right here. We had a youth conference. Have a look at my pictures. We had a youth conference in June. Amen. Over a thousand young people coming together, being saturated by the presence of Almighty God. Tell me that's not revival. Revival. We had a manhood conference. Over a thousand husbands, fathers, sons, brothers coming together, receiving an anointing for the leadership position that God has put them in. This is what Joel was talking about, pouring out his his spirit. And we get to be a part of a family. That's revival. I mean, think about this. Every single time that you and I are faithful, even in our giving, in our tithes, in our offerings, we are part- participating in building churches, in getting the gospel out there, in empowering our young people to fulfill what God has in their lives. I mean, you know, even our Tuesday night prayer, my goodness, the first Tuesday night we came out, it was freezing. Do you know, we had nearly a thousand people coming here just to pray what about our ask cold Saturday mornings during 21 days of prayer? I can tell you one thing. The hot coffee was across the road at McDonald's, but there were, all the cars were here and all the people were here because the fire of God was in this place. Amen. 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 Revival. He promised it. It's his power and it's being poured out. And that's the next one is that he's pouring it out. And if he's pouring out his power, man, I don't know about you, but I want to be there. Amen. But we need to realize, family, it's also, it's to us and through us. It's to us and through us. Do you know what blessed my heart is the hundreds of people that went out on our Serve Our City Day to bring revival to other people. That's revival. And the last one is, is for people because people need God in their lives. If He did it for Peter, He can do it for us. There is nothing that God will withhold from us. And I believe God for that. And I be- I'm going to thank God at His word. What about you? We're going to stand under that promise. And we're going to walk in that power. And He's going to pour it out. I want to just say this as well. Let's never stop thanking God. Let's never stop thanking God for the people that He sends, that we can witness to, that we can speak to, that we can encourage. And I know that many of us, listen, there are some people you don't want to say, how are you? You've kind of given up on them already, right? I'm encouraging your family. God, sent them your path for a reason. Pray for them. Thank God for them, amen? People are struggling. They need to have a touch from God. And I I wanna just give you a bit of a warning. This is a time the devil's gonna say to you, come on, the church has been singing this song for decades, actually maybe centuries. This is not gonna happen. You don't have to come pray for revival. You don't have to do this. I just want to remind you that Jesus called him the father of lies. So you decide who you're going to believe. Amen. Amen. God's going to do it. Amen. Amen. I want to say this right now. God loves you, family. God knows every single detail of your life. And he notices you. And you know, we hear that. But do we hear it? do we really hear it? I want you to receive that tonight. You know what? Revival is going to start with us. And I want to close with this. I want to tell you the story. It's actually kind of a little community, farming community, and they have drought for three years. And I mean, you know what happens. I mean, if there's no drought, if there's drought, there's no rain, there's no crops. If there's no crops, there's no future, there's no hope, there's no survival. And eventually they decide, now they're going to have a church service and they're going to pray for rain. Is a good plan. Everybody comes. I mean, they're lining up. They're coming to this little church. They're very somber, very silent bunch. You can literally see the hardship in the way that they're walking. They're filing into the church one by one. Silence everywhere. And then suddenly, you know, that the pastors take their place. And there's this little girl, and she's kind of sitting near the front in the middle of all the deacons and the, 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 the elders of the church. She's just sitting there, and she's smiling, boy. She's swinging her legs, and she's looking at what's going on. And the pastor kind of notices her anyway. They start the meeting, and they start praying their very eloquent theological prayers, you know, and in the middle of this prayer, the pastor suddenly hears this, just like, and he carries on praying, <laughs> every eye's closed, every head's bowed, and he opens his eyes, and here she's sitting in the church, and she's smiling, and she's wagging her legs around, and he cannot believe it. And he walks off the platform, he says, I cannot believe that you brought that umbrella in church. How can you bring and open this umbrella up in the house of God? Why did you bring that umbrella in the church? She looks at him, she says, I cannot believe that we're praying for rain, and I'm the only one with an umbrella. Family, I believe we are the church that walk around ready to receive our revival. I want to end with this scripture in Luke chapter 21 and verse 27. It says, at that time they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take up, stand up, lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing Amen. God is gonna do this. Come on, give him a big praise right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord. Tonight I wanna pray for people. I really think that there are people that maybe you're just feeling empty, maybe dry, just thirsty, just barrenness and drought in your life. You're feeling lonely. Maybe sin has just really wrecked and ruined your life. You're feeling hurt, you're feeling isolated, feeling void feeling all of these things, and maybe you're just overwhelmed by what you're hearing and what you're seeing happening in the world. And tonight, family, I'm really believing for an outpouring of God's Spirit. And I was thinking the other day, and the picture I had was a piece of boltong, and I thought there are people walking around feeling like a piece of boltong completely dried out. So I want to just pray over you for a moment, and then I've asked the band to prepare a song that we all know very well, so we don't have to think, we can just receive Amen. And then I want us to do what the Bible has just told us to do, to stand up and lift up our heads and just receive from God. So let me just pray for you first. Father God, I just thank you, Lord, that tonight, Father God, you said signs will follow your word. And we've spoken about your revival, Lord God. And tonight we look to you, Lord, as Psalm 85 says, revive us again, Lord. Restore us again, Lord. Bring life that we can flourish again, Lord. And, Lord God, right now, I'm just going to ask everybody, stand up. Let's just, we're going to receive, Lord. As we sing this song, Father, we're going to receive your outpouring. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's go ahead. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Lord God, that you've filled our lives. Thank you, Father God, that we receive that outpouring that power of the blood of the Lord Jesus to top us up, Lord God, that our lives are revived, our homes, our workplaces, our schools, our our country, Father, our church is revived. In Jesus' mighty name, we glorify you for it. Thank you, Father. I just want to ask right now, perhaps you've come here tonight and you say, but Pastor Jeannie, I haven't even taken that first step. I've heard about Jesus, but I've, I don't really understand what it means to make him my Lord. Well, it's a simple prayer because I want you to know that the Lord Jesus has got a plan for your life. He's got purpose for your life. You are here because there's an appointment that he has for you tonight. And all that you need to do is I want to just pray with you. And you will receive him as your personal Lord and Savior. God himself will adopt you as his very own child and you become part of the bride of Christ. Isn't that just exciting? And so I'm going to give you an opportunity in a moment that I can pray with you. Also, perhaps tonight you're saying, I felt so dry. I just feel like I'm so far from God, and I really just want to rededicate my life. I want to come back. I want to be filled. I want to be revived. I want, I want to be an, an instrument of God's revival. Maybe that's you tonight. And I'd like to invite you just to pray along with us as well. Or perhaps you're just not really sure. Maybe, are you going to heaven? Are you not going to heaven? The Bible says that we need to be sure. And so I'm gonna invite you as well. I'm gonna just, I'm gonna count to three and ask you if you would just raise your hand if you wanna receive the Lord Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. For those of you that are online, God sees you. He notices you. If you wanna rededicate your life to Jesus, and if you wanna be sure you're going to heaven, One, two, three. I'm going to ask you to raise your hands up right there where you are. As I said, those of you online in the other venue, just raise up your hand. Seeing hands going up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There's a battle inside of you right now because you better know the devil does not want you to make this decision. But you just raise up your hand. Come on. Your life will never be the same again. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Right now I'm going to say this. I want to ask you if you would just repeat this prayer after me. And all of us are going to, we've all done this before, but we're going to say this prayer with you as well. We just say this, Lord Jesus, thank you that you died for me. Thank you that you rose on the third day. Thank you that you did that just for me. That you've forgiven all my sins. That you take me as your very own child. Father God, thank you that you gave me Jesus. Right now, I receive Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. And Lord God, I thank you that you help me to forgive everybody who has hurt me or harmed me in any way. And I receive my forgiveness in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. We Thank you. Welcome to the family of God. Welcome to the family of God. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources.